I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. It's that time of the year. Your vacation is coming up. You can already hear the beach waves, feel the warm breeze, relax, and think about work. You really, really want it all to work out while you're away. Monday.com gives you and the team that peace of mind. When all work is on one platform and everyone's in sync, things just flow. Wherever you are, tap the banner to go to monday.com. The book is out. Hours of interviews with Prince Harry have been broadcast and reaction has ranged from shock and anger. It's horrific, actually. I think Harry's on a self-destruction. He wants to pull down the empire with him. Everyone has a family. I have arguments in my family. I just don't understand why on earth he would want to put that out there. I know he's selling a book, but... To support. I've supported them since day one, and I think there's a light being shone on behaviours which have to change. Why shouldn't Harry say his piece, Jane? I think he's had to move away. Personally, I I find the candour from Harry, I think it's useful. So I think, do what you like, tell your story. From ridicule... Did we need to know how you lost your virginity to an older woman in a field behind a pub? Did we need to know that she treated you like a stallion and spanked your bottom? Was it the Arctic or the Antarctic? Anyway, his penis became frostbitten. Um, (laughs) Other channels aren't available. (laughs) What's next? Honestly, I I feel like I'm going to be in a rectal exam with Harry and William. To righteous agreement. Is he taking the rest of them down with him? Hopefully. I mean, I I think what this shows is once you pull back the curtain, the royal families are Kardashians with crowns. The emperor has no clothes. In a new poll carried out late last week, Prince Harry's popularity fell to an all-time low. But that was before the book had even gone on sale. Now that the dust is settling, what next for Harry and for the royal family? You're listening to Stories of Our Times from The Times and The Sunday Times. I'm Manveen Rana. Today, going spare. I'm Roya Nikar and I'm the royal editor for The Sunday Times. And Roya, from the moment it was announced, this was one of the most eagerly anticipated books. Spare was, was you know, the, the big publishing dream, I suppose. But in the last few months, you know, before any of the quotes from the book emerged, just in the run-up to publication, what were you hearing from royal sources? I mean, how are they seeing this book? There's been a certain level of apprehension across the royal households for quite a long time now, ever since this book's been announced. 
once we had the Netflix documentary, and actually even with some of the revelations in Megan's Archetypes podcast that came out last year and a couple of interviews that they did, you know, Megan with the cut in the New York Times, more and more details started coming out about how they felt. And so the book has really been the culmination of that. And yeah, there's been, you know, a fair amount of apprehension, which I think has been proven to be valid. And let's just run through some of the biggest revelations. And it probably makes sense to to start where the book does, which is with Princess Diana's death. You know, it's such a big event in the news and the history of the country. We've all seen it reported, but hearing from one of her sons on what it was like to be told the news, I mean, were you surprised by his account of it? I wasn't surprised by his account of it, but it is incredible. It's very moving. You can't not be moved by just the shock that Harry as a 12-year-old boy is recounting. What is it, Paul? He sat down on the edge of the bed. He put a hand on my knee. Darling boy, mommy's been in a car crash. I remember thinking, crash? Okay. But she's all right. Yes? I vividly remember that thought flashing through my mind. And I remember waiting patiently for Pa to confirm that indeed Mummy was all right. And I remember him not doing that. There was then a shift internally. I began silently pleading with Pa, or God, or both, no, no, no. You know, all the emotions that he went through, that he could see his father was going through, it is shocking when you relive it through his eyes, and it's incredibly moving and you can completely understand, I think anyone can understand why those events have left a traumatic imprint on him for so long. It's something that he is clearly still dealing with and he talks about the fact he's still dealing with. One of the ways he talks about trying to deal with it, trying to make sense of it, you know, certainly in the past, you know, included from his description sort of recreating the scene almost, which I don't think people knew about, you know, driving through the tunnel at the same speed. And he even talks about he and Prince William wanting to reopen the investigation. Yeah, I mean, I think, you know, that extraordinary detail about him asking the first time he visits Paris to drive through the Alma Tunnel at the same speed his mother was going in the car in the crash that killed her. And then we find out from him that William asked someone to do the same for him. It just shows you just how extraordinarily deep that experience has cut both of them. Do you feel you have the answers that you need to have about what happened to your mom? Truth be known, no. I don't think I do. And I don't think my brother does either. He says he's sort of at peace with not having all the answers, but you can see it's something that's still, in his own words, it's haunting him. And when he talks about that experience of driving through the tunnel, you know, he, he's quite convinced by it that the accident must have been down to the paparazzi. It must have been the effect of, of you know, blinding flashes and cameras on the car that led to the accident. I mean, is a lot of this sort of trauma and a lot of the anger with the press, is that where it begins? Yes. I mean, you know, he, he's written about and spoken about at, at length, not just in this book, how he feels the paparazzi were very culpable for his mother's death. And he's reiterated that in the book. He's talked about seeing the photographs of the reflections in the car windows of the paparazzi taking photographs of his mother as she lay dying. 
you write, I hadn't been aware before this moment, talking about looking at the pictures of the crash scene, mm -hmm. that the last thing mummy saw on this earth was a flashbulb. Yep. The very paparazzi that chased her into the tunnel were the ones that were taking photographs, photographs of her lying half dead on the back seat of the car. That's fueled his loathing of elements of the media. Yeah. I think an another element that was quite surprising in the book is that you do get this sudden view in a way that you don't normally with the royal family. There's such a, a rigid facade, but you suddenly get the sense of the sibling rivalry too between William and Harry. Tell us a bit about that. Well, it goes right back to their childhood. I think there's been so much coverage over the last few years that's felt much more recent about brothers in arms growing apart and separating their households and then one leaving the country. But actually, you know, Harry takes it back much further than that and takes it back to, as he says, after their mother died, William and Harry were on completely different paths. So that distance has been growing for years. But he also talks about the fierce rivalry, the air and the spare, fierce rivalry, the way they went about things, the way they fought over so many things. And then, you know, when they got older, fought over territory, like who was going to do the conservation work. And it's very deep-rooted as sibling rivalry. I, I don't think a lot of people really realised how far back it went deep into their childhoods, actually. Mm. We also start to get a sense of how their wives get on or don't get on. Yeah, I mean, Harry has gone into considerable detail about the breakdown of the relationship between him and, and Meghan and William and Kate and gives very specific details of examples where he and Meghan felt that Kate wasn't welcoming enough to Meghan and didn't, you know, they, really, again, I think quite petty examples of being in a joint engagement, all four of them, and Meghan asking if she could borrow some of Kate's lip gloss and Harry describes how Kate gave it very reluctantly to Meghan and Kate is looking disgusted, says Harry says. And then there's a description of this summit between the four of them at Kensington Palace when you know, the four of them get together to try and reset their relationship that's very fractious. And you know, Megan has made this comment to Kate about her baby brain, is the quote, just before Megan and Harry got married and Kate had only just had Prince Louis and forgot something. And Megan said, you know, you must have baby brains. They have this summit, they have this meeting to try and, and put things right. And Harry describes how Kate was so stressed she was gripping the sides of the chair and her knuckles were white. So it does go into very, very personal detail about the breakdown of the relationship between the four of them and particularly between Meghan and Kate. We also start to get a sense, which I don't think we had before, of how the, the princes, um, their attitude towards Camilla... We hear from Harry how he and William pleaded with their father not to marry Camilla. He says that they were both had come to terms with Camilla and actually said to their father they embraced her and they could see that she made him very happy and they were willing to completely you know, welcome her into the family as their father's partner, but they just didn't want him to marry her and pleaded with him not to. Which, you know, Harry talks about the fact that he didn't want to have a wicked stepmother and he feared that that's the role that she would fulfill. So, you know, it is an extraordinary 
description of that relationship and what we've heard from Harry so much more in the last few days through all these broadcast interviews is his feeling that, and it's also in the book, that, you know, once Camilla married into the family and became the future Queen Consort, the Duchess of Cornwall, and even before that, he says, you know, from the first official meeting between the two of them at Clarence House, she he says, leaked details of meetings and private conversations to members of the press to rehabilitate her image. I mean, that's been very strenuously denied for years by Clarence House. And actually, those mm. conversations were accidentally leaked by one of her closest aides to her husband, who then had played tennis with someone who worked for a newspaper who ran it. And actually, that aide um, resigned over it. So it's always been strenuously denied and actually hasn't stacked up that it was Camilla herself that did that. So again, that's not a great relationship. And Harry's talked about the fact this week that he hasn't spoken to Camilla for a very long time. I mean, it is a, a, a remarkable set of revelations. And by talking about the relationship that he sees between his stepmother potentially leaking to the press, it brings him back to the topic of the British press, which quite a lot of the book is dedicated to to the British press. Give us a sense of how he views it. There's no doubt that Harry has had a very difficult relationship with, as he specifically sets out, the tabloid media for many years and you know, is not at peace with the way they, you know, with their coverage of him and, and now his own wife and his family. He feels that there is too cosy a relationship between the tabloid media and some members of his family. And he's convinced that some members of his family and their households actively brief against him and his wife to members of the press, specifically the tabloid media. And all I can say from my experience is that in my 12 years of being a royal correspondent and a royal editor, I have never had a member of any of the royal households ring me up and brief, actively brief me against other members of the royal family. That's interesting. So when that came out, there must have been a bit of chat between royal correspondents. What was the view? Well, a lot of royal correspondents have gone on the record and said that, either in their own coverage uh, or on camera. It's not our experience. If only life would be, you know, gosh, if, if the households were ringing us up and giving us stories all the time, life would be so much easier. <laughs> Alongside the book and the, and the many revelations we got out of that, there's also been this series of interviews to publicise the book. A few in America, one in Britain. Tell us a bit about that. This is the big ITV interview with Tom Bradby. Were you surprised by the choice of interviewer? No, I think, you know, Harry has a good relationship with Tom Bradbury. He feels comfortable with him. Tom used to be, um, you know, a royal correspondent himself. He's known Harry and William for a long time. Um, he, you know, back in the day gave them some, you know, media advice and, um, you know, they've become friends. He was at their weddings. Uh, so he's someone who is very close to particularly Harry these days. That's interesting. It's a difficult position to be in as a journalist if you are sort of friends with somebody to be doing the big interview. How do you think he did? Was he tough enough? I think Tom, you know, I think he got a lot out of Harry in that interview. You know, he, he pushed him on the racism stuff. In the Oprah interview, you accuse members of your family of racism. You don't even... Really? Well, of... The British press said that. Right. I... Did, did Meghan ever mention that they were racist? He pushed him on Harry's slight U-turn on claiming, you know, they weren't implying there was racism in the royal family. He, he highlighted that most people interpreted it differently, not just the British press. 
She said there were troubling comments about yeah, Archie's skin colour. There was concern about his skin colour. Right. Wouldn't you describe that as essentially racist? I wouldn't, not having lived within that family. Right. So you again, don't going, mean, going back to the yeah. difference between what yeah. my understanding is, because okay. of my own experience, the difference between racism and unconscious bias, the two things are different. He got an awful lot out of him. And I, I think that, you know, people say, oh, well, he's too close to Harry. But you could argue that, you know, would Harry have been so relaxed and said so much with someone he didn't know so well? Probably not. Mm. Yeah, good point. And then there's been this series of interviews in America, too. Was there stuff that came out of these interviews to publicise the book that sort of constituted even more revelations? He did seem to go a little bit further in the 60 Minutes interview on the Queen consort. You wrote that she started a campaign in the British press to pave the way for a marriage. And you wrote, I even wanted Camilla to be happy. Maybe she'd be less dangerous if she was happy. Mm -hmm. How was she dangerous? Because of the need for her to rehabilitate her image. That made her dangerous? That made her dangerous because of the connections that she was forging within the British press. And there was open willingness on both sides to trade of information. And with a family built on hierarchy and with her on the way to being queen consort, there was going to be people or bodies left in the street because of that. Those are phrases and words that the king is not going to enjoy hearing about or, or reading. Coming up, after a dramatic few days, what's the reaction been, both inside and outside the palace? And where does it leave the royal family? That's in just a moment. I'm Tim Shipman, the chief political commentator of the Sunday Times. Writing about British politics is part therapy, part investigation, and it's part comedy. And as Dr Johnson didn't quite say, if you're tired of British politics, you're tired of life. And I'm not tired of life. But we can only do this thanks to the subscribers of The Times and The Sunday Times. Subscribe today by visiting thetimes.co.uk forward slash stories of our times. If you're looking for plump lips that last, you need to know about Juvederm Lip Fillers. With Juvederm Volbella XC and Juvederm Ultra XC, your lip look, whether it's subtle or bold, can last up to one full year with optimal treatment and no additional maintenance. Find a licensed specialist and see if it's right for you at Juvederm.com today. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Add fullness to lips in adults over 21 with Juvederm Volbella XC or Juvederm Ultra XC. Do not use if you have severe allergies or a history of severe allergic reactions, or if you're allergic to lidocaine or the proteins used in Juvederm. Tell your doctor if you have a history of scarring or taking medicines that decrease the body's immune response or that can prolong bleeding. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. As with all fillers, there's a rare risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. For full, important safety information, visit Juvederm.com. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. 
In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. you as as a royal correspondent we're used to you know a tiny trickle of information coming out of the palace what has it been like just watching this complete torrent of really really private anecdotes sort of stuff that nobody expected to hear suddenly all out there all at once like you say you know we dig around to try and stand things up to try and verify information and you come across really good stories and then a book like this lands and there are sort of a couple of stories on each of the 416 pages. It's extraordinary. What has the reaction been like? Because, you know, part of that carefully curated image and the, the you know, the very steady but small trickle of information that you get about the family and, and what really happens behind closed doors, that's normally so well managed by the palace and by the operation. How have they viewed the book, the Netflix series, all the interviews that have gone with them? You know, the phrase that keeps emanating from the palace is weary and wearisome. I don't think there's a huge surprise across any of the households as to the level of disclosure. I think they expected that if... Yeah, no, I think they expected that if Harry was going to deliver the goods for an enormous deal with Penguin and Netflix, he was going to say a lot of things that would be difficult. The fact that we still haven't heard from the palaces yet, I think tells you that they are planning to and hoping that by saying nothing, this will blow itself out at some point. Do you think that that will be the official response altogether? I mean, are we expecting to hear anything from Prince William in particular, who does get, you know, a lot of these allegations are directed towards him? I'm not sure. I don't think for the time being that William thinks that would be a good way to handle it. I don't think he's keen to go toe-to-toe with his brother publicly. And I'd be surprised if the king felt he wanted to do that either. I think they've clearly got a problem on their hands. There is clearly a very, very fractured family. You know, the Queen famously gave that some recollections may vary statement, which sort of said so much with very little... There are several conversations. There's a about conversation it. with you, with Harry, about how dark your baby is going to be, potentially, and what that would mean or look like. The Queen addressed those claims, saying the issues raised, particularly that of race, are concerning. While some recollections may vary, they are taken very seriously and will be addressed by the family privately. There was to be any kind of response, I would imagine it would be along the lines of that, but I'm I'm not sure whether we'll get a response to any of this stuff that's coming out. 
And, and Roy, whilst there's been no official response, some of his friends and people around Prince William have been talking without using their names, not talking publicly, but we're getting sort of a sense of how he views all of this. You've been speaking to a lot of people around Prince William. Do you sort of get a sense that is this sort of partly an official version, semi-official? No, I wouldn't say that. I, I don't think it wasn't. No, if, if, if members of the royal family want to give you an official response, they'll do it through their households on the record. So, you know, all this sniping from some commentators that oh, well, they can't do things officially now, so they're going, you know, through shady sort of, you know, friends in sources. If people want to talk, they will talk. They don't need the nod from members of the royal family to do it. And what about Prince Harry's friends? I mean, does he still have many who are willing to stick their neck out here now that he's moved away? Do you hear from them much? I mean, I think if you, you know, anyone who read my piece at the weekend will see that there were friends of Williams in there and there were friends of Harry's in there. And there are people who are willing to try and, explain and understand and justify and give reasons for both sides of what's going on at the moment. And I ask because this is something that he sort of brings up in the book quite a lot. You know, he tries to sort of analyse how, you know, royal coverage works. And you know, he talks about these anonymous friends and how messages are sort of dispersed. I mean, reading that, what did you make of it? I made of it that... When he says that every single royal source quoted in a piece is actually a palace spokesman, he's wrong. So it's much—it's a much broader spectrum. If you know, when you've been doing this job for a long time, you have a lot of contacts, hopefully, many of whom are outside of the royal households, because that is not where we get our stories from. If only. Never in my experience have I had someone ring me up and negatively brief. That's not how it works. And for, for Harry, when he was inside the royal household, would he have had a means of communicating with the press? You know, I know this is a big deal with Netflix and the book, um, and there is obviously money involved, but also you get a sense that this is him wanting to get his narrative out. Would that have been difficult from his position within the royal family? No. When Harry was a working member of the royal family, he had he had his own press secretary, deputy press secretary. He had, you know, a whole press office around him. But, you know, as we've heard from him recently, he often felt that press officers didn't go far enough in squashing stories about him before he left. But I can tell you that they did their utmost to squash a lot of stuff and defend him and Meghan to the hilt. Were you hearing some of those defences? Yes, absolutely. You also get a sense from the book that Prince Harry, you know, has always had a very strained relationship with the press, you know, even pre-Meghan, partly because of his mother's death. You actually did a sit-down interview with him. Tell us a bit about that and what it was like back then. I did a few sit-downs with him, actually. One in 2016, one in 2015, and one in Brazil in 2012 on a Diamond Jubilee tour. And I always found him to be incredibly open, very honest, very easy to talk to, no holds barred, no no barriers up. He was always open, honest, candid, funny. I found him to be a great interviewee, actually. He had some good relationships with reporters. He had some trickier relationships with reporters, but I always found him really good to work with. Did that change? Well, I mean, the last time I did a big sit down with him for the Sunday Times was in 2016. But then actually, you know what, even when he was with Megan, and I would see him, he would say hello and maybe have a quick chat. I think towards the end of their time here, you know, things were a lot 
harder for him with the press. And I think the barriers came up a little bit. But for the most part, he was very engaging for all the years that I was working alongside him. And just to tell us a bit about how all of these revelations and Prince Harry as a character, what has the reaction been outside of the palaces, you know, in sort of the, the, the country at large? I think it's been pretty mixed from all the coverage I've seen and, you know, the vox pops I've seen on the news. There seems to be a real divide. Some people who think, great, well done, you've got it off your chest. And others, lots of others who think we sympathise with what you've gone through in your life, but we don't all need to hear every intimate detail of your family life. I think it's been very mixed. And Roya, for anyone who hasn't actually read the book, would you recommend it? <laughs> you know what? The Ghostwriter is brilliant. And um, you know, I, I knew it'd be a good book because I read the Andre Agassi biography he did a few years ago, which is fantastic. So it is certainly a compelling read. I think every reader will reserve judgment as to whether it is the whole truth or whether it is Harry's truth. You've been listening to Stories of Our Times, a podcast brought to you thanks to the subscribers of The Times and The Sunday Times, with me, Manveen Rana, and my guest, Royal Editor for The Sunday Times, Roya Nikar. You can find all of Roya's royal coverage at thetimes.co.uk with a subscription or in print on Sundays. This episode was produced by Taryn Siegel and James Shield. The executive producer is Kate Ford, and sound design was by David Crackles. If you can, please do leave us a review. It'll help others to find us. Thanks for listening. See you tomorrow. Small details are big surfaces. Tight corners are odd shapes. Flat rounded, textured, or tall. Whatever your next project, there's a spray paint pattern that's just right. Because Rust-Oleum's new Custom Spray 5-in-1 gives you control with five different spray patterns. So you can tackle nooks, crannies, edges, and curves without worrying about drips, runs, uneven coverage, or anything else. Custom Spray 5-in-1. Only from Rust-Oleum. Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade.